My Wax Museum is a proud member of the Creative Grapevine. Hey guys, before we jump into today's show, I just wanted to invite you to leave us a review for the podcast. You can do that by going to ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Again, that is ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by a fellow podcaster and entrepreneur, Scott Stockdale. Now, yes, we do talk about entrepreneurship and podcasting, but we also talk about family, love, friendship, and discovering who you are. This is certainly going to be a podcast episode you're going to enjoy. We've got some great stories and a few laughs along the way. So with that, I invite you to enjoy this episode of My Wax Museum. And remember, after today's show, to take five minutes in your day to listen intently to the people around you. Scott Stockdale, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thanks, Alex. Really looking forward to chatting with you and to revealing all to your listeners as much as it will be uh, painful for me at times, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a it's a tell-all here on My Wax Museum. I like to uh, ask the hard-hitting questions like, uh, like, how do we know each other, Scott? That's what I always start with. That's a great question. How do we know each other? I think it was... If you remember. Yeah, yeah I, I remember. So I believe you reached out on Instagram after hearing um, Parker on or me on Parker's show or Parker on my show. It was one of those way rounds. And uh, yeah, got your DM and uh, you said you enjoyed the episode, which was great. And then we got chatting and here we are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Parker Kane's good friend of mine. And I'm pretty sure I've had him on my wax museum. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's fantastic. And I, I listened to you on there and then, yeah, we just got chatting. Um, so why don't you fill me in too then? Um, where are you from originally? Mm, so from originally, uh, a little town, which you probably have never heard of, your listeners have probably never heard of called Harrogate in North Yorkshire in England. And <laughs> it's actually where I'm still based. So I haven't left the, uh, fled the nest just yet. Although I have been to up and down the country in the UK and traveled around the world. But at the moment I'm currently based in Harrogate. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. I'm guessing not. No, I, I never have. Uh, tell me about Harrogate. What is like, what's the most interesting thing other than yourself in Harrogate? <laughs> well, it is, <laughs> should I say this? Yeah, I'm going to say this. It's uh, renowned for its water, which sounds the most boring thing in the world. But I swear you not. Uh, so Harrogate, it, spells, it sells like spring water. So I don't know if you get this in Canada, but like, water that comes from wells essentially and it's been doing this since victorian times so going back sort of two three hundred years anyway fast forward to today and actually they sell this water all around the world which is cool and i actually happened to this is where i'm kind of going with this i happened to stumble upon it in china in this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere and yeah harrogate spa water was there i was like wow this is mental turns out it was a fake bottle of water which is a whole other story but um yeah i found harrogate <laughs> in china Okay, this is okay, this is amazing. There are a lot of things there that I, I'd like to kind of you know uh, guide us toward. Um, so let, let, let's start with with Harrogate. Did you I'm assuming that you've 
you've grown up your whole life in Harrogate. Uh-huh, yeah. um, did you enjoy it? Like, what's what's your experience been like? Yeah, I love it. It's, I mean, to kind of give you an idea of how lucky I am. So I joke about the water and obviously it's kind of quite an affluent area. So it's got, um, I think, everything you'd expect from a, a normal town, but beautiful like Victorian buildings and uh, I definitely recommend like you and your listeners Google it just because it's just really pretty. And actually, uh, there's a little town called Knaresborough as well, just uh, a few miles away, which is stunning. And it's got some beautiful things. But in terms of like growing up here, um, like even though it's quite a small town, for me, actually, that was fine. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't really go out much anyway. So I wasn't one to like go clubbing at the weekends and things like that, which is lucky because Harrogate doesn't have any clubs. So it's quite a small town in that sense, but very welcoming. Uh, tourists, lots of tourists come to you, uh, to Harrogate every single year. And yeah, I'm very lucky to, to live here for sure. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's always nice when you can have that appreciation for the beauty of where you're from. I do find a lot of people who, you know, they're like, no, I always wanted to leave. I hated it. Um, but but that's really good that you can you can see and appreciate that. Obviously, you did eventually uh, leave. Can you kind of take us on on the path of of your experience um, leaving for your first time out of out of Harrogate and and kind of what that was like seeing the I guess the rest of the UK maybe or you know the rest of the world the places you've been. Sure. Yeah. So. To I think the first time that I left Harrogate properly, uh, properly um, was actually in 2015. So when I did the whole sort of gap year thing before university. So that's when I ended up in China with the fake water. And uh, so yeah, I did the whole route in Southeast Asia. So I visited Singapore and Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, China, Hong Kong, and Cambodia. I'm probably missing somewhere, but that whole route. And it was incredible. And actually the thing that kind of opened my, or my eyes were open the most to was just that actually, how lucky I was. You know, I saw kids in Vietnam, for example, who were carrying bamboo canes on their, on their shoulders. And I suppose nothing too untoward about that. But when I saw what they were actually using the bamboo for, it was actually to make scaffolding. So they were putting up these huge bamboo canes, which must have been sort of, 10, 50 meters long and actually using them, getting some rope tying tying those around to make this scaffolding. And then it wasn't just they were making it, they were then actually building these these houses um, using the scaffolding. Um, So yeah, kids probably no older than like 10 or 11 years old. And I was like, Jesus, what was I doing at 10 or 11? Probably like watching TV or something. So actually to see that work ethic, not just in the youngsters, but I'd say across all generations. I know it's not particularly in Vietnam, but Cambodia as well. China, I think as well. I mean, literally everywhere I saw people working so, so hard. And there was me just kind of with my backpack, just like dossing about for a few months. I was like, "Mm, it feels a bit uncomfortable. But at the same time, the people were so, so welcoming. And actually they really sort of enjoy people visiting their country because for one, they love to showcase what they have to offer and to kind of give tourists the the best tastes and the best experiences but also because it helps them financially you know they need those tourists coming in so it it was uh, yeah that was probably the most like, sort of eye-opening experience i've had um, even since really and that was my first 
sort of experience of leaving Harrogate, I suppose, properly. And then been to university and stuff since, which I'm sure we'll probably get into. But um, in terms of that travel, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. I loved it. Did you um, did you grow up thinking about that privilege that you had to just be, you know, an English kid living living your life so casually? Did you ever think about that before you went and had these experiences? I think I probably did in my sort of logical mind. I was like, yeah, I, I know I'm lucky, but it's only really until you experience it and actually witness just how lucky you are does it really hit home. So, yeah, I was def- I mean, definitely aware that, you know, I touched on Harrogate, obviously a beautiful place. And even in the context of the UK, I know how lucky I am to live here particularly. But then, yeah, to kind of go somewhere else where the kind of living wage is like less than $2 an hour. It's wow. It's like, you know, it is a real, real shock. And actually to begin with. Um, so when I went out to Asia, I, ended, I stayed in Singapore to begin with, which is a very affluent place, obviously. And actually that for many people going to Asia, it's kind of a way to kind of bridge that gap between the Western world and then the shock of the Eastern world. So it's kind of that middle ground. And then as soon as you leave Singapore for someone like Malaysia, where it is just like a switch, you know, you go from the, the, I mean, the Singapore border to Malaysia is, you know, it takes like minutes to cross, but actually that chasm between those two places alone is just insane. And then you just kind of extrapolate that to the rest of Asia and it just gets even more insane and crazy and beautiful and just wacky and just amazing. So, um, yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, I was definitely aware of it, but I think I didn't realize just how lucky I was actually until I went out there. So what what lasting change did that have on you as you continued to move forward? I think the biggest thing kind of touched on it, the appreciation, but more specifically, it was actually when I have these opportunities to go to university, for example, it's actually, it made me study 10 times harder. And I know that's easy for me to say now, but I think particularly in first year when I went to university, I wanted to obviously do well, but I kind of wanted to just justify being able to go there you know you've seen these these kids on the bamboo scaffolding it's like they're never going to get this opportunity so for them in a weird sort of way i've got to make the most of this opportunity um and then obviously for for mum and for rich and stuff as well but that was probably the big thing just making me work harder than what i probably would have done otherwise and then i think the other thing is literally as cheesy as this sounds just appreciating the stuff that i have you know, even even things like being able to wake up at a decent-ish time and in a comfy bed, because I suspect, I mean, I can't talk for these kids, but I suspect a lot of them didn't have a roof to, you know, sleep under, probably didn't have a comfy bed, probably had to wake up at like three or four in the morning to, to do their work. So really um, appreciation was probably the big thing. You, you mentioned something in the, the pre-interview questions. Um as well that that I think I'd like to touch on here. You mentioned that um, your your favorite person is your mom, and and how you grew up in a single parent household, and um, and, and so kind of on that line of perspective uh, lending experiences. What was uh, growing up with just you and your mom like um, as as a kid? I think certainly challenges. So I'd be lying if I'd said it was all very easy for us. It certainly wasn't. And actually 
we haven't been blessed with the greatest riches, you know, materialistically. So we've always had to certainly work hard. Well, say we work hard. My mum had to work hard to, you know, put me through school and all that sort of stuff. Um, she has since um, met Rich, who is now a partner, and and they've been seeing each other the last sixteen years. So I suppose he has become my my kind of role model of a dad, which I've never had before. And it is something I'm. If you know, if we had this conversation a year ago, I probably wouldn't tell you that I didn't know my biological dad because, for me, it was always not a. I don't know if it was shame, but it was more just those questions which would inevitably come. You know, like, oh, who is your dad? Like, why have you not met him? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And having to tell that story a hundred times a day, you know, it just probably gets very tiring. So I think that's why I always kind of shied away from it. But I've now recognised that actually sharing this probably helps a few people you know if they've had a similar experience and actually since I've spoken about it more openly in the last few months and and, well yeah last few months the amount of people that have actually said oh I've you know I've had a similar experience or my dad dies when I was like three or four it's crazy the amount of people this has happened to so it makes you I suppose one realize you're not alone which is useful in itself but also just encouraging other people to talk about these experiences and I'm a big, big advocate that actually talking about this stuff and actually sharing it with other people is is a strength and actually it shows that you you can help other people just through your words so that yeah it was difficult for sure um but we had some great times we still obviously still have great times and actually (laughs) it's funny you ask that question it literally in the last month or two my biological dad has reached out to my to my mum for the first time in like 24 years which has been a bit of a uh, a challenging time to say the least. And actually it's just opened up all those questions again, like, you know, questions about identity, things about what are my goals on a really meta level and just a bunch of stuff. So I've since been seeing my therapist who's been amazing and talking about it with really close friends and they've helped immensely. Um, and it just kind of reinforced that to me that, yeah, talking about this stuff, it really does help. So a bit of a long, uh, a long-winded answer to a very short question. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, um, yeah. I can't imagine what it'd be like to to be a single mother, um, and and to be an only child. I, I come from a big family, so I, I can't imagine um, much about that situation. Um, but if you if you had to pick just just one thing uh, that your mom taught you. Um, what would that be? One thing that jumps out to me is standing your ground. And actually she does it in a very subtle way, which I really like. So she would never out and out say to someone, I don't like what you're doing or, you know, don't do that or anything like that. It would be more, she would say, why are you doing that? You know, kind of questioning their actions and it's therefore not kind of pinning the blame on someone if they do something wrong it's more just kind of questioning and bringing that out into the open in quite a kind of seemingly harmless way which i really like so that's one thing i've kind of learned from her there's probably a million other things which i don't even not even conscious of but yeah that would be certainly one thing i'd say yeah that's big that is really big you you mentioned you mentioned as well uh, that it's only been in the past year that you've really started to talk about this and and be open about about this whole situation that you've grown up with. 
what what has it been in the past year that has made that shift for you uh, internally that that has allowed you to open up? I think the biggest thing was recognizing that a lot of areas of my life weren't where I wanted them to be, particularly relationships. So I've had a car crash of a history with girls and actually having those those you know deeper relationships and it's weird because I've always been like you know friends of mine say oh you know you're always so good with like flirting and stuff like this which I mean I was used to be just so bad I used to flirt all the time with girls in my class and stuff so I think people had that perception that I was quite you know comfortable in that environment truth is I was for the furthest thing from that I think a lot of that was a front and I think the trigger moment certainly yeah com- coming up to like 18 months ago a year ago was I was on this date and it was going really well and um it then just kind of turned a bit sour because I I don't even know what I did wrong but I just I felt like I did something wrong I kind of pushed things a bit too far and you know just made the the girl feel really uncomfortable so I was like you know this needs to change like why you why do you keep messing these things up and obviously as we uncovered, uncovered it with my therapist turns out those daddy issues they come home to roost and actually there's a lot of kind of underlying things there relating to commitment and my avoidant person um, avoidant attachment type which i didn't even know i had but apparently that's the thing so that avoidance tying all that together just has uh, there's a lot of toxic stuff there so i needed to uncover that which i didn't realize and actually talking with the therapist really helped me uncover that so yeah that was kind of the trigger i suppose that date with the girl which went horrendously and i was like you know what this has been happening way too much it can't just be the other person at fault you've got to take some responsibility here so i was like okay let's see if I can, you know, what can I do about this? So I kind of looking on Google, trying to find someone who maybe I could talk to about it, found this amazing therapist who has helped immensely. And uh, yeah, since then, just it has made me realize that actually the one of the biggest things you need in relationships is that honesty and that ability to connect and actually showing people your rough edges because it's those rough edges that people latch onto. You know, if you're just Teflon, people can't stick to you isn't you know you're just smooth and they'll just slide off you and that's exactly what I was you know I wasn't sharing any vulnerability I wasn't sharing any uh, honesty really you know keeping so much to myself so I was like okay that needs to change and that's been the big turning point and I can happily say now kind of dating someone that's going really well so fingers crossed next time we speak we it might be a different story but um yeah that is why it kind of the last 18 months a year that's why it's kind of what's been the shift really that's interesting it's fascinating to me how you know we have these moments of awakening where we where we're like oh wait a second maybe there's something wrong here and then and then you go and you you figured it out right and you're you're working through it and you're in that process of making these changes hey guys future alex here just popping in to share something with you. Scott didn't ask me to share this, but I figured I'd let you know. I'm assuming he won't mind. He actually just released a Udemy course um, where you can go and learn how he's gone through the process of hiring a virtual assistant to help him with all of these things. And it's just really cool. I'm working through it right now myself, but go and check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes. With that, uh, let's jump back to this conversation with Scott. So um, I want to I want to kind of jump back a little bit. Uh, you mentioned uh, going to university um, and 
And why don't you fill us in a little bit before we move forward, uh, what you studied, where you went, and and kind of the general experience you had there. Sure, yeah. So I studied economics at the University of East Anglia, which again, even though it's quite a big university in the UK, it's not it's not an Oxford, it's not a Cambridge. So it's kind of in that. I guess if you think I was going to use a Premier League example, but you know your listeners might not be familiar with UK football. But if you are, so it's not like a Chelsea or a Man U. It's more like a uh, I was going to say Liverpool. It's more like an Everton. If you know, if you've heard of Everton Football Club, it's more like an Everton. So that's where I went. Had a obviously amazing three years, and um, I loved loved every second. Um, and yeah, I suppose my experience at uni, pretty typical, really nothing extraordinary. It was, you know, getting smashed way too much, going to way too many parties, doing a bit of work now and again in between partying and, uh, made some real friends for life. So, you know, would I recommend it to everyone? Absolutely. Is it right for everyone to go? You know, does everyone need to go to university? You're going to get a job out at the end of it, not guaranteed. But for me, obviously, I was very lucky. And I think economics in particular just broaden your horizons. You know, you've got things and skills in there. Like, as you all know, you've got like maths in that. You've got English, if you're writing essays, uh, analytical skills, presenting. There's just a bunch of useful transferable skills in that, which have definitely helped me in my current role and roles that I've, that I've had. So, yeah, great, great three years. I'd, uh, I'd love to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I can attest to economics, and uh, it is very uh, perspective broadening. You start to think like, wait a second, maybe that, maybe things work a little differently than they're telling me. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, especially politicians. They, yeah, uh, oh, <laughs> politicians oh, yeah. don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> so. So okay, so you you study economics, uh, you you come out of school, you're you're starting to have all these realizations. Um, why why don't you fill us in on on what um, on what you're working on now, what you're doing for work, uh, projects that you have going on, and and anything else that's like a, a staple of your current life? Mm, sure. So. There's a lot going on in a, in a nutshell, but um, so yeah, to kind of give you a bit of backstory. So yeah, graduated university or from university July 2018, ended up working in a prison for three months, which is a whole other story, but that was a bit of a rude awakening. I thought I was cut out to be a prison officer, but if you look at me, you can see that I'm not. And actually, it turns out I wasn't. So uh, yeah, so I did that for three months. And obviously I learned a bunch from that and uh, which none of it, you know, I really use day to day now. Like, you know, I'd never have to disarm anyone or I never have to use a riot shield. But actually at the time it was quite cool to spend two weeks in a dojo. So that was uh, a great time. So yeah, I finished that, met some great friends and still keep in touch with those. From there, kind of went to London, did some interviewing down there to try and get a job. Nothing came from that. And it was actually whilst I was down in London that I got a message on LinkedIn from my past or previous employer saying, oh, look at my profile because of the economics, because of the, the English and maths and all that sort of stuff. They're like, yeah, we think we've got a role that could be right for you. And that role was in SEO, which I didn't even know what SEO stood for. Never interested me at all. Never had a blog or anything like that. So I had quite a lot to learn. And as it turns out, I actually do really enjoy it now. Um, so I left that last role at the turn of 2020 and I then spent some time actually working on my podcast which um, is the other thing I've got going on at the moment so 
yeah, to put that into the timeline. So yeah, I kind of left, I think I left that job maybe February, end of February, 2020 in preparation to launch my podcast, which was on the 4th of March, which did really, really well. It got to the top 10 of Apple podcasts in six days, which I tell everyone because I just like to brag about it and make a song and dance about it. And then, uh, and whilst, yeah, so I did that for a few months. I was like, okay, give this a real push. And I was like, okay, I need, I need another job again. So um, ended up getting another job in SEO. So whilst I left my previous job, I was talking with my current employer then, um, you know, just having interviews and stuff. So it was, it was always kind of possibility, but obviously circumstances globally have changed and I was a little bit unsure. But luckily the company I'm at now is just like booking the trend and they're actually flying because they do most of their sales online and they've got huge brands across the world. So very fortunate, but in a very long-winded way, I've stumbled into SEO by accident, which just kind of sums up my life, just stumbling from one thing into the other, purely by chance. That is interesting. That is very interesting because I knew I knew you did SEO. We've kind of briefly chatted about it before, um, but then to for you to... <laughs> not even plan to go that direction um and and to get a job doing it without even knowing properly what it was that is a that is amazing um why do you why yeah why why do you think you got that job like why do you think that worked out i think it was luck perfectly honest i don't think I think it was like, yeah, they were looking for someone. They were looking for someone who didn't have any experience. Obviously, I didn't have that because they wanted to train someone up um, in SEO and actually have that or kind of develop those skills with that person. So in many ways, they were just looking for someone who was quite analytical, demonstrated they could use things like Excel and Office and that sort of thing. Um, but in terms of the stuff I've learned from that employee, and I'm super grateful for them because there's no way I'd have this current job that I'm in now because I just won't have the skills to be able to do it. So, um, yeah, it, it was purely by accident. I, I think the thing that kind of, you know, they obviously were in, they saw my profile and they were attracted to me, but I think obviously when I went to the interview, it's always a two way thing. Like, you know, did I want to work for them? And, uh, I think the thing that really drew me in was how much they were trying to sell it to me. And I've never had that in a job situation or interview before where, you know, usually the employers are kind of like, take it or leave it. Like we've got a bunch of other people waiting for, you know, to have this job and they'd love it. And even though that was exactly the situation I was facing, you know, I think there was probably 20 or 30 applicants for this same role. It was just because they showed an interest so much in what I was doing which um, which made me think, you know what, these guys, are, they seem really genuine and really honest. So and they were, and they were a great company. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess there's probably other things as well. I mean, my CV at the time just crammed it full of stuff like, you know, I, I kind of, yeah, different story altogether, but I carried the Olympic torch in 2012 because of stuff I was doing at school, like volunteering wise. And there's a bunch of other kind of crazy one-off achievements I managed to cram on there which I think probably looked quite good as well to them. But uh, yeah, and to, to answer your question, purely by chance, I didn't even know what SEO was. I'm not sure I really do now. That's a lie. I do know what SEO is, but um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool industry and I'd uh, definitely recommend it to anyone who's um, maybe interested in websites, really, you know, getting more traffic to their sites, revenue, all that sort of stuff. That is so fascinating to me. This is hilarious. Uh, so, okay, Um to as we kind of lead into the the end of the interview here, I want to hear 
about your plans for the future. Uh, you have a podcast going, you have uh, a job in SEO, like you're, you're, I'm assuming, continuing to look for these life experiences that will broaden your perspectives. Um, but I'd like to hear from you, um, what's, what's next on the list? What's, what's next to do? Um, I wish I had a clear plan. And I think, or at least I thought I would have, but now, literally in the last couple of weeks, I've been doing more thinking about this and actually, you know, what do I want? And I think obviously with the stuff that's happened with my biological dad, I think that certainly kind of raises these questions. I think the answer is now, I don't know. And actually I'm quite happy with that. And usually I'm the sort of person that always likes to have something to aim for, you know, whether it's like, I suppose the podcast was one thing, but even, you know, going through school, I wanted to do all well on exams and same at university, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm kind of like, I'm just kind of drifting and actually I'm just kind of trying to enjoy what I'm doing. So enjoying doing the podcast, enjoying my role in SEO, uh, enjoying being in Harrogate as we touched on. So I'm quite content and actually like, the, I mean, there's obviously things I want to improve and there's things I want to, to, to do and to have. Um, but for now, my goals, I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. So there's nothing that really jumps out i guess ultimately i mean i say that long term i would love to do the podcast full time but that is for me more of a i don't see that happening in the next two years i see that as more of like a 10-year project really so that is you know that's in the horizon but it's not like up close um if that makes sense so yeah i don't really have any clear plans as such i think that's perfectly all right i think sometimes that's the best way way to live where you're just taking it easy taking it one day at a time looking just toward you know the thing that's happening now um and so to kind of wrap it up here um in a in a general sense when you look back on your life when you're at the end of it and you're looking back on everything you've done already everything that has yet to happen but you're looking back on these things on events on people on on careers um, on projects, what are the things that you're most proud of and what are you most satisfied with? Proudest things I'm proud of <laughs> would probably be my my close friends, actually, because I think the friends that you have kind of reflect who you are. And I, I'm just so proud of so many of them. You know, they're not necessarily kind of doing big things in what we'd see society-wise, you know, like quote-unquote, million pounds or xyz but actually in terms of they're just happy and you know they have fun and they're they're outgoing and we have great times together and that's certainly one thing i'm proud of and uh, hopefully we'll you know that will be the case in in the coming decades um satisfied with would probably be being more comfortable talking about my emotions and actually stuff i've gone through and Hopefully, if that helps anyone, then amazing. I don't expect it to, but I think that would be something that I could look back on and say, you know, if I've helped so-and-so through their difficult time by talking about what I've gone through on the podcast or uh, even just kind of face-to-face, -face, which happens quite regularly, that would be that would be kind of, yeah, something I'm quite happy with. So quite modest <laughs> expectations, I guess. But um, I think, I mean, like I say, if you asked me this question a few months ago, I probably would have had a very different answer. I'm probably just in quite a reflective mood at the moment. But um, it's, it's yeah, it's just been a, a weird, weird few months. But uh, yeah, ask me again in six, six months' time. I'll probably have a completely different answer. Probably a better answer for you. 
<laughs> then maybe I might. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think those are fantastic things to think about and fantastic changes uh, and experiences that you've, you've had in your life. Um, so last question, final question. Um, what, what are you doing right now uh, and where can people find that? You mentioned your podcast. So here's your opportunity to, to plug anything you want. I appreciate it, Alex. Um, yeah, so my podcast, Entrepreneurs Can Party, is all about bringing on guests who are having fun and they're showing that actually their creative projects, their businesses can be exactly that as well. They don't have to be in a boardroom with their ties on and they can in some cases, you know, one of my one of my guests, he travels around the world with his best mate shooting videos for Visit Australia, MTV, Panasonic, Lumix, XYZ, so many amazing brands. And that's apparently a job. I, I don't know how he does it. Like he, he seems to be having pool parties left, right, and centre in like Croatia and all these sort of cool places. So, and I mean, that's just one example. I had another uh, DJ, uh, TikTok DJ artist called Erin, who similar sort of situation. She travels throughout America just DJing what she loves to do. So, some really cool guests. So, yeah, that's kind of what Entrepreneurs Can Party is all about. If people want to check it out, um, I think the best place would probably be uh, be my website, so scottstockdale.co.uk forward slash trailer, because I appreciate that listening to a brand new podcast is a real commitment of time. You know, if it's like a 20-minute episode, 30-minute episode. So, instead of doing that and actually figuring out halfway through, I don't like this, Scott, like, what, why have you sent me here? Um, if you go to that particular page, then there's like a short trailer, like a couple of minutes, and there's a few really cool resources on there, which I've put together about how to hire a virtual assistant, if that's of interest to anyone. So my process of hiring someone from the Philippines for $3 an hour and how she helps me produce my episodes and all of my stuff that I've got going on with the podcast. Also how to rank in the top 10 of Apple Podcasts in six days, did a whole... Uh, blog post about that which is almost as long as my dissertation at university and that lays out step by step how I did that you know from pre-launch to post-launch all the kind of competitions ideas all the strategies I did to get into the charts and then I think the other resource was kind of the costs of podcasting so you know as, as yourself will know that there's some costs associated with microphones and things like that so you know, those are kind of laid out there, but also you can podcast for free. I kind of give a template of how to do that as well. So in a very long-winded way, scottstockdale.co.uk forward slash trailer is probably the place to go. That's perfect. That's awesome. Well, uh, thank you, Scott. All of those links uh, that you mentioned will be down in the show notes. Um, and, and I just want to say one last time, thank you very much for joining me. Most welcome, Alex. It's been really fun. And thank you for your amazing questions. I mean that. They were really, really powerful. So pleasure chatting with you. And thank you for listening, not just to this show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more to the people around you, the people in your life that you just happen to know. Take some time, just five minutes, to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.